Hey guys, welcome back to the Freed and Unafraid podcast. I'm Steph Serta, and I'm so glad you're joining me today. Jumping right in. So this episode took probably two months longer than I originally anticipated, but I think that it couldn't come at a more appropriate time with everything that's been going on in our world. I want to start off, though, with a little story. Um, It's kind of the question that every mother asked every child when they were growing up, or probably more in your teen years, and it was you wanted to go to the party, and you wanted to be with your friends, and you wanted to be cool and popular, and you went and asked your mom, and you begged her, and she was like, that's a stupid party. You shouldn't go to it. There's going to be alcohol there, or whatever she said, right? No, they're a bad influence on you, and just in case you're wondering, that's not what my mother sounds like, but anyway, (laughs) she's asking you, And you're going back and forth, back and forth. And so she finally says to you, well, if all of your friends jumped off a cliff, would you? Of course, we're like, no, I wouldn't. Or that's stupid, mom. Or that doesn't even apply or whatever. Everyone had their own answer, right? Maybe she made it specific to one friend like, well, if Susie jumped off the cliff, would you? And you're like, well, I kind of like Susie, so wouldn't want to live without her, you know, and you can kind of justify these things in your head. But the question really becomes, if your mom says, so if Susie jumped off a cliff, would you? As an adult, I've reflected on that (laughs) and I've thought about it. When your mom's asking you the question as a kid, It's kind of like they're expecting a yes-no response because they're trying to put a really obvious choice in front of you. But what we've learned as adults is that life isn't sometimes so obvious. And we have to ask more questions. So we have to be like, well, mom, why are my friends jumping off the cliff? Would I get a parachute? Is there a trampoline at the bottom? How far down is it? And the more we question, the more we can understand the situation. If we're jumping off the cliff with a parachute and all my friends did it, sure, I'll go. Sounds like fun. I think adults actually do that. (laughs) And sometimes they do it without a parachute. They do it with a bungee cord called bungee jumping. Or they jump out of a plane with a parachute skydiving. So the question that was meant to be so simple and kind of snap us into this idea or this, oh, that's so silly sort of thing and get us to react in a certain way actually becomes a little more complicated the more that we grow up and think about things. So I want to put it into some practical examples of some hashtags that have been going on lately that maybe kind of missed the original intent of the intention. So how many of you, this is for women especially, but I'm sure that the men have had their social media feeds flooded with this. How many of you have seen the hashtag challenge accepted. (laughs) And then, of course, after it, it comes women empowering women and you get all of these messages in your DMs that are like, we're just trying to support other women, like spread this around to like either three of your friends or 50 of your friends, depending on which version you got. I got multiple ones. And by the way, this is not a knock to anybody who posted a black and white selfie or did the challenge, or wanted to empower other women by sending around what some have called a 
chain letter. (laughs) It's gotten a lot of interesting responses. So this isn't a knock on them or anybody who sent me the challenge. I love you all and I'm grateful for your hearts of empowering women. But I want to look into it a little deeper. What is that actually from? When I got that challenge, I could not help but look at it and ask myself, what is so challenging about posting a black and white selfie and how does that empower women? I don't know if anybody else felt that way, but there wasn't a lot of like details or context to it. And I'm like, okay, I'm not going to lie. It's actually challenging to me to take a selfie. I don't do it that often. So getting the lighting right, getting my facial expression right, making sure I have the right side of my face right. So maybe that's a little challenging, but in all seriousness, I was kind of like, I don't get the challenge. Like people post selfies all the time. I don't get it. And so curiosity got the best of me and I looked into it. And what I found was that this challenge (laughs) was so far away from the heart of what it originally started as. This challenge of women empowering women, hashtag challenge accepted, got over 4.5 million people to follow along in this campaign, whatever you want to call it. That's a lot of momentum for something that we may or may not know what the challenge actually is. So I couldn't help but ask myself, what really is the challenge here? Where did this really come from? And what I found out is that it's actually very tragic. This hashtag, challenge accepted, originally started in Turkey in order to raise awareness about the high rates of femicide in the country. For those of you who don't know what femicide is, It's men murdering women, specifically. And Turkish women began posting black and white pictures of themselves following the July disappearance and brutal murder of, please forgive me, I am not going to be able to say this name right, Pinar Gutekin, a 27-year-old Turkish woman whose murderer confessed to killing her and trying to hide her remains after she rejected his advances. Ooh, that's not cool. This is all from an article on PBS and an article with Bazaar Magazine. It says that Turkish people wake up every day to see a black and white photo of a woman who has been murdered on their Instagram feed, on their newspapers, on their TV screens. The black and white photo challenge started as a way for women to raise their voice, to stand together with the woman we have lost, to show that one day it could be their picture that is plastered across news outlets. Posts in Turkey were accompanied by hashtags, including some stuff in their native language, but they loosely translate to say no to violence against women and enforce the Istanbul Convention. So the hashtag that went from challenge accepted Hashtag women empowering women, sending around a little chain letter, originally came from hashtag challenge accepted and in their language, hashtag say no to violence against women. How did that happen? How did we lose that message? How did we go from something that was so meaningful and to raise awareness and it got four and a half million people to do it? But it lost the message along the way? You have to research it to find out what it really is from and read articles. Ask me how I know. That's how I got this information. 
But I personally didn't want to be posting a selfie of myself in black and white with a hashtag challenge accepted when I didn't know how that was empowering to women. Things that are empowering to women. Okay, let's name a few uh, women out there. Forgiving a grudge. <laughs> how many of you have a grudge that's lasted for more than 10 years? That's empowering another woman. Giving a woman the benefit of the doubt. She gives you a snubby look or whatever. Assume she's hungry. Like, <laughs> that's empowering women. Give them the benefit of the doubt. Mending a relationship. Keeping your mouth shut. I could go on and on and on. Encouraging each other in the workplace. Those things are empowering to women. Encouraging each other to take a selfie and post it with a hashtag. It got so far away from the original heart of the message. How did we lose that? As a disclaimer, this is not a political podcast. I am just trying to use real-life examples of things that have happened literally. That's been happening in July. Pretty consistently, I've been seeing black and white photos of my friends all over all my social media feeds. And you guys are gorgeous, okay? Like, knocking it out of the park gorgeous. But at the same time, can't we just post selfies every day and put, like, meaningful quotes under them? <laughs> Isn't that what people usually do? So now we're just putting a hashtag under it instead. All right, I digress. But hopefully you understand the heart behind what I'm saying. So let's look into another example. Again, without getting political. This one happened back in June. These articles are from Insider and CNN. So I'll be going back and forth. Blackout Tuesday. Who knows about Blackout Tuesday or who remembers Blackout Tuesday when all of a sudden your entire Instagram feed was just black squares? Anybody remember that? <laughs> Does anybody know the heart behind it? Everyone thinks it's to support Black Lives Matter. And regardless of how you feel about Black Lives Matter, there is definitely racism in our country, systemic racism that needs to be addressed. So whether you're for the movement or against the movement, that's not what we're talking about right now. We're talking about Black Tuesday, hashtag Black Tuesday, and how that started again as something completely different than what it ended up as. So Blackout Tuesday is an initiative to go silent on social media, reflect on recent events, and stand together with the Black Lives Matter movement. It happened on June 2nd this year. It was intended as a day for the entertainment industry to go silent on social media and pause the flood of new content, not to post blacked out images. So let's get into how this got started. The initiative was circulated alongside the hashtag, the show must be paused, which was coined by, pardon me, I'm going to ruin these names, Jamila Thomas and Brianna Agamang. Okay, I apologize. Thomas and Brianna. <laughs> Okay? I hate saying people's names wrong, and I apologize that I am saying them wrong. They put out a letter, and they said, we will not continue to conduct business as usual without regard for Black lives. So that was the whole intent behind doing Blackout Tuesday. Their mission was to hold the industry at large, including major corporations and their partners who benefit from the effort, struggle, and successes of Black people accountable. So they're trying to create a movement to pause and reflect on what's going on, which is awesome. But here's the problem. While the posts were well-intended, there were a lot of activists and influencers that pointed out that posting a blank black image 
with a bunch of tags clogged up the critical channels of the information and the updates that was actually being posted by the movement. Now, when you check the hashtag Black Lives Matter, it's no longer videos, helpful information, resources, documentation of the injustice. It's just rows of black screens. Ugh! That sucks! Because the original hashtag was supposed to be hashtag Black Tuesday, and then hashtag the show must be paused. No different than it was originally supposed to be challenge accepted, hashtag challenge accepted, hashtag to end the violence against women. But both times it got so lost. Editor Taylor Guerin even said, if black people are telling you that blackout squares aren't helpful and you're still posting them, ask yourself who you're posting them for. I don't know if that challenges you guys at all, but that makes it very real for me. That makes it very real to understand that we must know why we are doing what we are doing. We must know why. If somebody says, let's go jump off a cliff, we must ask why. We don't necessarily have to say no. There could be something amazing at the bottom of that cliff. There could be a safe way to get to the bottom. If we are doing stuff and we don't know the heart behind what we are doing, why are we doing it? We are literally giving in to what our mom told us fundamentally not to do as a child. So how does this translate into the word of God? How does this translate into the kingdom? Sadly, it translates all too closely. Sadly, we go to church, we sit in a pew, we listen to what the pastor preaches, and we absorb it as truth. Whether you think you do it or not, I challenge you to ask yourself whether you accept what Christian books, Christian podcasts, even mine, Christian literature, are they preaching and teaching and writing things that match to the word of God, that match the heart behind what God initially intended when he had that inspired word for us, when he sent his son to die for us and teach us how to live, not just die for us, but teach us how to live. Are we missing the heart behind what we call Christianity? Because I am telling you right now that if you have not been challenged in your faith yet, it's coming. And if you don't know because you've been just taking what everybody says for solid truth, I want to challenge you with this. Romans 3, 4 says, of course not. Even if everyone else is a liar, God is true. The world is changing and it is getting more light and more dark at the same time. But the gray zone is disappearing. The only thing that can really teach us is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit can teach us through pastors, through Christian literature, through podcasts, through devotionals. But in 1 John 2.27, it says, As for you, the anointing which you received from him abides in you, him being Jesus. And you have no need for anyone to teach you. But his anointing teaches you about all things and is true and is not a lie. And just as it has taught you, you abide in him. The Holy Spirit is constantly teaching us through the word. We're encouraged to actually watch out for false teachers. 
In 2 Corinthians 11, 3-4, but I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You happily put up with whatever anyone tells you. Even if they preach a different Jesus than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. Have you ever sat in church and someone is preaching and you're like, that just doesn't sit well with me. And I'm not talking about because you were out doing stuff you shouldn't have been the night before and so you're convicted in your spirit and your stomach's churning a little bit because you feel guilt. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when you are seeking after Jesus and you are sitting in that pew or maybe now because of the unique situation, everyone is sitting at home and they're listening to something and they hear something and they're like, that is not what I thought that meant. And I don't necessarily feel like that's right. But then we brush it off as, but it must be right because this pastor said it and I trust him. Let me remind you of Romans 3, 4 again. Count every man a liar in comparison to what God says. Every man, every woman, including myself. I encourage you to take what I am saying, take it to the spirit of God and say, is what she's saying true? But if your heart is on fire right now, let the Holy Spirit move in you. This is tough stuff, but I know you can handle it. So let's keep going. Paul in 2 Corinthians 11, starting at verse 12, says, And what I am doing I will continue to do in order to undermine the claim of those who would like to claim that in their boasted mission they work on the same terms as we do. For such men are false apostles, deceitful workmen, disguising themselves as apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for even Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. And so it's no surprise if his servants also disguise themselves as servants of righteousness. Their end will correspond to their deeds. Skipping to verse 18, Paul goes on, And since others boast about their human achievements, I will too. After all, you think you are so wise, but you enjoy putting up with fools. You put up with it when someone enslaves you, takes everything you have, takes advantage of you, takes control of everything, and slaps you in the face. Ah, oh my goodness. <laughs> that is a harsh verse. That is a harsh scripture. But yet we look at it and we literally think that the Christian life is all about suffering or that if somebody is doing something to us, that we should put up with it. That we should get slapped in the face because literally Jesus says in a different place to turn the other cheek. So we just sit around getting slapped around because we think that's what we're supposed to do. But in other places in the Bible, it talks about how Jesus' yoke is easy and his burden is light. It talks about abundant life. It gives promises that says that we shouldn't have to put up with that sort of thing. So how do we know which situation is the appropriate situation for the verses? We have to allow the Holy Spirit to communicate to us through the word. We have to go look for ourselves. Because if we are taking somebody else's situation and applying it verbatim to our situation, you are literally having a one-size-fits-all with the Bible. No relationship is the same. If you're married, you know that. No marriage is the same as another marriage. Even if the personalities are very similar in couples, 
The marriage is different than another marriage. Every relationship, every person out there who has a relationship with God, your relationship is different than the person sitting next to you, sitting across from you, in the house next to you, in the apartment across the street. Every person has a different relationship with God. P.S. Isn't God awesome? He's so awesome. How does he have relationships with so many people? That's what makes him amazing. It's unfathomable. Another word I probably pronounced wrong. Anyway, he is so amazing. He has individual relationships with each one of us. So if we assume that because some pastor preaches on a topic and says, this is how you handle this specific thing, I'm not talking about stuff like do not murder. That's pretty set in stone. But I'm talking about taking verses and being like, and this is specifically how you should handle this if you are in this sort of situation. Take that wise counsel to the spirit, because if you do not, you are literally having a one size fits all with the Bible. And the Bible is alive and active, and it is not meant to be one size fits all. Every single word in it is true, but it says in John 14, 26, the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and bring to you remembrance all that I have said to you. Have you guys ever read a book and you go back and you read it a second time and you see all the stuff you didn't see the first time? You notice details or you notice a little plot twist or you notice an expression or an emotion or something stuck out to you different the second time. That's just a book written by a man or a woman. (laughs) A book written by God. The book written by God. That book will speak to you differently every time you open it because it's alive. You know, like reading Rainbow, like they open the books and it's like the story comes out. That is the Bible. Literally, the Holy Spirit gets so excited whenever we invite him in to teach us. Because as we invite him in to teach us and we open the word, things will literally light up on the page that are appropriate for your situation in that moment. But no different than the relationship being different, there might be a different situation where God wants to point you to a different verse. But if we are only listening to men and we are never going to look at the word for ourselves in our own personal relationships, we will fall into the one-size-fits-all Christianity. Interesting thought I had just now. That's probably where different denominations came from. But we won't get into that today. Just something to ponder. Let me know what you think at Stuff It Up to Freedom, my Instagram account. Anyway, I want to encourage you. The devil is tricky. He will not tempt you with anything that doesn't look desirable to you. Because if it wasn't desirable to you, it would not be tempting. Okay? (laughs) And the things that are tempting to you are not tempting to another person. So as you are in a situation, sometimes you will be like, wow, that sounds like good advice because it seems like something that would fit your situation in the way that you want it to work out. But in reality, it's not actually the thing that you should do. It literally says in Deuteronomy eleven sixteen, beware that your hearts are not deceived and that you do not turn away and serve other gods and worship them. It can be tempting to literally turn on your service on Sunday or Saturday night or Monday or Wednesday, whenever you watch it, because (laughs) church is a little different these days, but turn on your service or turn on a podcast or open a Christian book. And I'm not against any of those things, 
But if we are not doing them with the spirit that they were intended to be done, which is literally with the Holy Spirit, then we could easily be being deceived. I just want to point out how important that is because in the time that we are in, we need to know the truth with a capital T. We need to be able to hear the Holy Spirit in real time. We need to have open communication with God. We need to be comfortable opening the word for ourselves. I'm not throwing this out there, but there are countries that cannot worship God in a public setting anymore. I don't know the direction that our country is headed, but if you were not able to listen to a service or listen to a pastor or a podcast, would you know how to hear the Holy Spirit and have him bring into remembrance in your mind everything that Jesus has ever said? But if we were in a situation where we were no longer able to listen to men preach to us, would we know how to seek out the word and the truth, capital T, for ourselves and how to let the spirit guide us in it? Would we be able to get the heart behind the message that Jesus came for, to love God and love people? Have we lost that? Have we lost that in our churches? Have we made it about certain things, specific things that we should do and boxes we should check? And then you can go on with your day and your life. Or do we know the heart behind what God has done for us through his son Jesus and then teaches us and is in relationship with us through the Holy Spirit? Because we have to go back to that. If we don't, We've just really ended up playing a terrible adult version of the game of telephone where the message started as one thing and then it either went through so many social media accounts or so many people or so many pastors where the heart behind the whole message got lost. Sometimes the message changed completely by the time it got to the end. If you ever played that game as a kid, you would know that that happened frequently. It almost never was the same message from what it originally was. And you had to write it down on paper. Interesting. Writing it down so that way nobody can confuse it. But you know what? It's really, really, really hard to know what the message says if you don't go back and read it. So I challenge you. I encourage you to open up that amazing book And seek it out for yourselves because we are living in times where the light is getting lighter and the darkness is getting darker. So make sure that you are prepared and that you understand the heart behind what Jesus wants. He says that he came not to bring peace. Now he came to bring internal peace, but he did not come to bring peace on the earth. He came to bring a sword. He came to divide those who love him from those who do not. So if that is why Jesus is here and our world is clearly getting to a place where you're going to have to start picking sides, are you ready or are you still drinking the Kool-Aid? Woo! Made it! (laughs) Proud of you guys! 
I know that that was a heavy one, but man, I hope that you are feeling encouraged and challenged all at the same time, and that you are also feeling a little more freed and a little less afraid. This time, maybe you are a little more afraid, but in a challenge sort of way. I want you guys to feel free to reach out at my Instagram account at Stuff It Up to Freedom, S T E P H, Up to Freedom. Play on words with my name. I love it. Also, feel free to subscribe to my podcast. I plan on posting new podcasts much more frequently. Please hit me up if you have any topics or any questions that you would love to hear about. I would love to speak into them through the Holy Spirit. So I love you guys. I hope you're doing well. Press in. Press on. You got this. Bye-bye.